Welcome to episode 131 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. The Toronto Maple Leafs have won three of their last four games, but they still sit fourth in the Atlantic Division on pace for 98 points. They're kind of mediocre right now, but we are going to give you our thoughts and opinions on everything going on with the Leafs. The resurgence of Ilya Samsonov. Where the hell did that come from? Ryan Reeves, who was healthy and the Leafs just said, screw you and decided that they didn't want to activate him off IR. They finally did. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Bradshaw Living's offseason as we get closer to the All-Star break. It's been kind of a disaster, honestly. So we're going to get into that. And then, of course, we are going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, who, as of recording this podcast, are riding a 14-game winning streak. They're probably going to make it 15 in a row against the Chicago Blackhawks. We have a lot to get into, and I promise you want to stay tuned until the very end. But before we get into all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing today, man? Doing very well, Anthony Bruno. As always, happy to be here. Little sore, man. We got some uh, freezing rain here in Ottawa, and it defrosted. So you know the uh, the laneway was an absolute disaster. Um, one slip away from someone cracking their head open on my property. So took care of it, and my arms and legs are paying the price. It's uh, not as fit as I used to be, Bruno. And I guess shoveling the driveway is the measuring stick. Well, boy, that's your exercise these days, man. You're yeah. on the ice with the kids, and then you're shoveling your driveway. Yeah, it's brutal, right? Because when it's snow, it's fine. I mean, is this the most ultimate Canadian conversation ever? <laughs> uh, yeah, when it's snow, it's fine. But when you get the snow with the freezing rain, and then it melts, and it's watery, man, it was not fun. It was not fun. Oh, by the way, Bruno, I'm proud of you. Uh, I see a Randy Moss picture in the background, so... Uh, your boy Tommy, your boy uh, System Tom, got replaced by one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. So good for you, Bruno. It's about time you smarten up. Yeah, Lapore, I told you off air when you saw my new set that it was a placeholder. And I, I told you, just wait, I'm going to replace it. And now I got my favorite football player of all time. Favorite? Randy Moss. Oh, yeah. Favorite. He's number one. Yeah. It, is he dominant receiver ever. Better than Jerry Rice, by the way. Okay, well, that's another pod, Bruno. You got to be careful. You got to be <laughs> careful, especially before NFC uh, Championship weekend. So but, I know, and I'm yeah. talking to one of the biggest 49ers fans I know. So I'll uh, we'll save we'll save that for the football podcast. That's going to be in the works at some point. Who, yeah. who knows when that's going to happen? But uh, let's let's jump right into the hockey talk before people get pissed off here. So let's let's just jump right into how the Leafs are playing right now because. When we came into our last podcast, they were riding a four-game losing streak, and people were pissed off. People were already thinking about, like, oh, my God, this team might miss the playoffs. What's going on? Is Sheldon Keefe going to get fired? But since then, the Leafs have three wins in their last four games. They've beaten the Calgary Flames, the Seattle Kraken, and the Winnipeg Jets. So three solid wins. I know Hellebuck was not playing in the game against Winnipeg, um, but still, I think there's some positives that we can take away from this last little streak. Listen, I still don't think the Leafs are that good, to be honest with you. Yeah. Again, eye tests, numbers, whatever you want to look at, this team is just kind of okay. Like, I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't view them as an actual serious contender at this point. So... I just want to get your thoughts now that we've gone through another week of Leafs hockey. More of the same, man. They are consistently inconsistent. And I think that's maybe even a compliment for them because they never look that good. Like the, even when they get wins, they get outplayed, they get bailed out somehow. It's close. We can, we've been over this, Bruno. We can count on one or two hands how many very good performances they've had this season. And it's a collection of things. Some people are pointing to the lineup. Some people are pointing to the coaching staff. Some people are point, have pointed to goaltending. It's all of it. And it's it's hard for Leafs fans to have a lot of confidence right now. I mean, here we are. I'm sure a lot, a lot of Leaf fans this morning 
were walking with a strut because, hey, they got a win against one of the best teams in the league. Sammy saved the day. The Leafs had no business winning that game. That was probably the best game of his career. So we're that away from losing and ending the shutout streak or the non-shutout streak, I should say. Um, but changes have to be made. Like, I, I think I think I've come to that in my mind as a Leafs fan. Something has to be done because this is a team going into the season and going into the last few seasons, people were considering a contender to win the Stanley Cup. And I remember, I remember Ryan Whitney from Spin Chicklets, he tweeted after all the signings, the Leafs are going to be a problem. So he his character is kind of a Leafs hater. And here he was saying, you know what? This Leafs team is going to look good. And they have not. So it can't be a waste. And I'd like to think Brad is active to clean stuff up or ship stuff out the door. I don't know. Like at this point, there might be some addition by subtraction. But... I expect a lot to happen and I really hope a lot is going to happen uh, between now and the trade deadline because they're not good enough. The, their talent is getting them by. That's the only reason why they're not in a bad spot right now. That's the gap. The Leafs have talent that's carrying them. There's been a lot of bad this year, man. And we've been blessed with good regular seasons anyway lately as Leafs fans. And as far as expectations go, this has been a bad regular season. Yeah, when you stack it up against the last few regular seasons, you know, 111 points. It was 110 or 111, 115. 115. Then the COVID year where they were on pace for that same range between 110, 115 points. Now you're looking at like a sub 100 point team. Mm -hmm. Now that we've reached, you know, we're past the halfway point of the season right now. We're about to hit the all-star break. Also, off the top of the show, I think I said the Leafs are fourth in the Atlantic Division. They're technically third in the Atlantic Division. Nice. Kind of feels like they're in fourth. It's just weird how them and the Lightning are are fighting for this this third spot. I mean, the Lightning, I think we thought would be in this spot, but we thought that the Leafs were going to be like the runaway winner of this division, and that's not the case right now. But, yeah. no, you nailed it, man. There's not a lot going on that's positive right now with this hockey team outside of the star players. Really? When you look at the secondary scoring and I want to pull up this tweet. If you follow uh, Leafs Twitter, you probably know this guy, Kevin Papetti. I was just looking at this tweet today and I couldn't believe my eyes. So he said, not much secondary scoring lately. And he went down the list of all the players who have done jack shit Mm, in the last little while. So, David Kemp, zero goals in 19 games. Noah Gregor, zero goals in 17 games. Matthew Nye, zero goals in 14 games. Tyler Bertuzzi, zero goals in 13 games. John Tavares, zero goals in 10. Callie Yarncroke, zero in nine. And Max Domi, one goal in his last 16 games. So outside of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, Really, no one is providing anything offensively. Yeah. And if that tweet doesn't tell you the story of how this season has gone so far, I don't know what does. I think that like perfectly tells the story of this Leafs team. The secondary scoring, the players that Brad Treliving brought in in the offseason have not helped this team one bit. So even though Matthews is still on pace for like 67, 68 goals, it just feels like on a night-to-night basis, this team still chasing the play, not dominating games. Now, against the Canucks, Lepore, as I pull up the numbers here, they outshot the Canucks pretty badly, actually. That was like the one game where I was like, wow, they're actually like taking it to the Canucks. That was a weird game where Jones played like shit. Uh, Demko didn't play very well, but the Leafs outshot the Canucks 46-21. I think the the Canucks scored their sixth goal on like their 19th shot. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was something, something crazy like that. So that was like the one game where I was like, ah, this is like the old Leafs, like firing all these shots, controlling most of the play. But uh, too many times this season, Lepore, it's just been a whole lot of, if Matthews, Marner or Nylander are not doing anything, then this team has no hope in hell of winning a hockey game. Yeah. And lately, especially right. The power play has been shit. 
So we can't even rely on that. I mean, you mentioned Tavares. So it's no goals in 10. Is it no points in nine or something? Like I'll this is getting out check of that, but it's, it is pretty bad. This is getting out of control for John Tavares to go this long without a point. What was the longest stretch of his career was like five or six games. Now he's getting into double digits and, and you can point right to the power play, not clicking. Cause that's where he gets his cookies. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. Fellas, Valentine's day is right around the corner. And what better way to get prepared than using Manscaped's new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. With the new Lawnmower 5.0, you cannot go wrong. Get ready for Valentine's Day. And not even just Valentine's Day. Just get your year off to a good start here and actually look good, feel good, and play good. So use our exclusive promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore, I mean, what else could you say about Manscaped? We all know the deal, Bruno. Valentine's Day comes up. Guys are scrambling. I gotta get, uh, gotta get her flowers. I gotta get her chocolate. Yeah, do that. But also, do the right thing and give the gift of clean, smooth balls. Head over to manscaped.com. There's a ton of products. They're all good. Throw them in the cart. GFP20 for 20% off from free shipping. Get ready for Valentine's Day, fellas. Use our exclusive code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So go to manscaped.com right now while you're at it. There's no better time than right now. Use our code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's not good, man. I don't know. Like, I'll put it this way. If we look at the Eastern Conference right now and the teams that are, you know, comfortably in playoff spots and even fighting for playoff spots for that matter. Do you think the Leafs are a favorite against any of them? Or would you, would you pick the Leafs or even, or you think the Leafs have a chance? I mean, it's not good. It's not good. And I have to see the list in front of me, but the ones I'm just thinking off quickly in my head, the ones near the top, I'm like, no, they beat us over seven games. There's no way. I think the only team that I would, and I'm not even that confident in this, that I would take, over the Leafs in a seven-game series, or that I would take the Leafs to beat, I should say, in a well, seven-game series. That's what I meant to say. Is Philadelphia okay? They're currently third in the Metropolitan. No one expected them to have the season they're having. I don't know how the hell John Tortorella has worked his magic with this team because I thought they were going to be terrible this season. That's the one team. Like, let's say, and again, there's like no chance that they would play each other in the first round of the playoffs. But just looking at the Eastern Conference in general, I'm taking the Bruins to beat the Leafs in a seven-game series. I'm taking the Panthers to beat the Leafs. I'm taking the Lightning to beat the Leafs, even though they haven't been playing that well. I'm taking Carolina, the Rangers, probably taking the Devils over the Leafs. Uh, So basically the teams that are kind of in a playoff spot or hovering around a playoff spot, I think I'd only take the Leafs over... Philly and the Islanders at this point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of hard to argue against, but we know hockey's crazy, right? In a few months, we're going to be sitting in the Eastern Conference final and it's going to make no sense. They're <laughs> going to turn it on at the right time. And our goalie will have a nine, nine, four, eight save percentage in the playoffs and no one will have an explanation. But bad times, man. It's just, it's so disappointing. It's so disappointing because this is where Leafs fans sit. Here we are watching this team. And it's not like it's been a complete disaster, but it, it almost like I, I can't, I almost can't picture it being worse. Like based on the talent they have on the roster, it's like, well, they wouldn't be like terrible. They wouldn't be a 500 team or like projected to get 80 points. And I I went behind enemy lines the other night, Bruno, um, some friends of, of mine. Did. Yeah. Well, you're not the ones you're thinking or semi. So some friends of mine, uh, they do it every year. One of them is a big Montreal Canadiens fan. And there's a few others, naturally, who are Ottawa Senators fans. And they'll drive to La Belle Provence to go see the Canadians take on the Sens at uh, the Centre Belle. And there was an extra ticket. There was an extra ticket. Lepore was invited. So, you know what? Let's do it. So, Lepore gets in a car. 
spends two hours in a car with Habs fans and Sens fans, goes a little shopping, go for lunch, you watch the game, and it's a blast. Anyone who hasn't been to the um the Bell Center for a game, it's an absolute blast. The crowd is great. Um, and the light show, man. Like during the intermission, during the breaks, you feel like you're in a nightclub. It's so Montreal. It's it's amazing. But we're talking, you know, teams that have been disappointing, and like here are Sens fans, like they are disappointed in how their season's gone. And one of them asked me, he's like, you know, if the least missed the playoffs, is that like the most disappointing thing this season from any hockey team? I'm like, it's debatable. That's that's not a bad question. It's yeah, that's pretty fair. close, honestly. Yeah. We said a few weeks, it was a last week or a couple weeks ago, we had a discussion on like what was the most surprising of certain teams being good or certain teams being bad. If the Leafs missed the playoffs, if we were told that at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't believe it. I legit wouldn't believe no, it. No, I, I think you're insane. Yeah. I would so, think that like the Leafs traded Nylander at the yeah, deadline. Like Matthews he didn't resign. They just started selling guys off. Yeah. <laughs> Not that they're gonna sell off the whole team, but that that would have been the first thing that came to my mind. Like, oh my God, they they started like retooling this roster for real. Mm. But uh yeah, I mean, Jesus, if they miss the playoffs, that's gonna rank pretty high just in terms of like the most disappointing outcomes of any of I don't know the top like twenty teams in the league this year. If you had to guess their their points total this year, what would you guess? Will they hit a hundred points? I think they'll probably hit a hundred, but yeah, like if you had to set the over under at this point, I should go check because I could probably find this on one of one of the sports of books right can. now. It's probably sitting at like ninety eight and a half, ninety nine and a half right now. Like I, I think I think they probably find a way to hit a hundred. And again, like we've talked about how they have overcome a little bit of adversity this season with all the injuries to their goaltenders, you know, Ilya Samsonov going from the worst goalie in the league to suddenly having like two of the best games of, of his career the last two nights. So, you know, they've gone through that. They've gone through the lack of secondary scoring you know, having to be carried by Austin Matthews and William Nylander for pretty much the entire season. And they're still, you know, sitting around a hundred points. I do think they hit a hundred, but I don't see this team, you know, going on a crazy run and getting back to like, I don't know, that hundred and eight, hundred and eight, hundred and ten point range. I don't think that's happening. Can you see, and this, like, this is depressing. What I'm about to bring up or to have to ask the question is depressing of all the guys in that depth. Okay, like guys go through slumps. Guys go through rough spots in the season. There's peaks and valleys, as we all know. Would you bet on any of them to turn it around? Or do you have any expectations? I do not, from what I've watched. Like, I don't think Bertuzzi all of a sudden is going to go on a tear and finish with... I mean, if he does go on a tear, what's he going to finish with 20 goals? Domi, no. Nice, no. I I don't know. I don't have confidence in any of those guys. And that's what's so frustrating if i was watching those guys on a nightly basis and like they were getting a ton of chances and generating a lot offensively then i'd be like you know what they're just kind of snake bitten right now things are going to turn around but they just don't do much at all on a night-to-night basis like even bertuzzi the opportunities he's had to play with this team's top players and to just put up goose eggs night after night is so frustrating because Domi's in a little bit of a different spot. He's played further down the lineup. He hasn't played with like the elite guys on a consistent basis. He hasn't really played much at all with like the top guys on this team, right? Just because he's been moved over to center. So Domi, he gets a little bit more of a pass. I've been obviously very disappointed with him as well, but Bertuzzi, man, holy shit. It's like, how many opportunities do you need to produce. I don't even know what his contract is going to look like next season. Like, is anyone giving that guy more than like three to four million a year? Because I think heading into this off season, this past off season, he was looking for like, you know, seven year deal for 5 million per. And the Leafs were like, all right, we'll give you a one year deal for, for five and a half million. But Holy cow, that guy's not getting more than like three or 4 million from anyone at this point. The guy has six goals. He's going to score, like, what, 13 goals this year? It's brutal, man. Brutal. The way I see it, the way I've been kind of picturing it all year, we talk about, you know, the guys we um, we brought in, Domi, Bertuzzi being two of the big ones. 
would would you bring them back? Quick answer is no. No, absolutely not. Would you? Uh, the way I look at it, I'm like Bertuzzi, you're three million on the third line, and Domi, you're a million on the fourth line. Like that's where they belong. That's where they belong. And what did Domi get last year? Like 56 or 55 points. And I think even in the playoffs, he was pretty good. Yeah, he had like 13 points in 19 playoff yeah. games, I believe. How is that possible? Like for, for me watching him, I can't even picture that. More than a half a point a game? How? I don't get it. I don't get it. Call it the Toronto water, man. I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but it's not working. So is it safe to say then, Lapore, that Brad Living's offseason was a colossal disaster? Like, is this worse than any offseason that Kyle Dubas ever had as Leafs GM? Probably. Probably. Because I think if we went through Kyle's, each one... He had some he had some bad deals, but there was also some good deals. With what Brad did, no, he he swung and missed. The only if someone said to give it a letter grade, I'd give it a D. And the only reason why I'm not giving an F is because these guys weren't given term, and then people will bring up Reeves, but it's kind of different with his contract. But Klingberg, Bertuzzi, Domi. Like those three, if they had term, it's an F. It's a hard F. So I'll give it a D because. We know, and this is one of the conversations I had in the car on the way to Montreal. We know this team with Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, and Riley leading the way can be a really good team. Can be 110, 115-point team. A team that people would not be surprised if they made a run at the Cup. So, it's not the end of the world. Because even if this year doesn't go well, and we're not expecting it to, well, you kind of have a clean slate next year on how you move it around, how you adjust, and you get it, and you get another shot. And that doesn't mean you're going to be successful, I think. And it's how the league works. It's a cap league. Teams have to go through that. But he's a D. I give it a D. And, man, think if someone said, oh, I give him a C. I'd be like, that's impossible. A yeah, C? You can't, no. you, can't you, can't. Him, you can't give him higher than a D, honestly, because he swung and missed on literally every signing. Like, even, even the David Camp signing. Yeah. Oh, like, don't I'm not even talking about like the guys that he brought in from outside the organization. David Camp, four year deal for two point four million. And at the time, like a lot of the math guys and analytics guys were like, ah, this is this is kind of crazy. Like, this is a little steep. Like Camp is a nice serviceable player, but two almost two and a half million on a four year deal for this guy who is a zero offensively. And is essentially just here to, I don't know, win face-offs and kill penalties. Yeah, kill time. Like, it's just, like, he's basically doing cardio out there most nights. Aww. He's not doing anything other than that. But you just yeah. go down the list. Like, Bertuzzi, swing and a miss, one year, five and a half million. Max Domi, one year, three million, swing and a miss. Uh, John Klingberg, one year, shade over four million, swing and a miss. See, the like, Klingberg one, I think the Klingberg one, and these are maybe things you shouldn't say out loud. I think when they signed him, they knew he was hurt. I think they went into that one saying, we know this guy's hurt, but we know he can play. He can give it a go. If it works out, it works out. We're not giving him any term. And worst case scenario, he's LTIR. Now, the issue with that is now we got to fill that space. They have to make a move. People are forgetting that the Leafs are playing under the cap with Klingberg out. They haven't filled, they haven't filled that money. So, yeah, and with Klingberg, so you're saying you think they they had the uh, Robidaw Island card in their back pocket the whole time with this oh, guy? Oh, Bruno, Bruno, <laughs> it, and I, I feel this way about the lease because we're just so friggin' corporate that there's no way these things just kind of go unnoticed or someone missed something. There's no way. There's too many eyes on all these moves. And to be fair, and I may take some shit for this one, I think it was the same with Matt Murray. They agreed with Ottawa. They're like, we'll take this guy off your hands. We know he's got his injury problems. You guys have to retain. And for us, if it works out, we get a goalie at four point whatever million, fine. And if it doesn't, he's LTIR. Yeah, who they, knows, man? They knew that. And I don't want to the give the Leafs the benefit of the doubt because they haven't won shit since 1967. Uh, and you're allowed to feel that way. Nearly 20 years to win a playoff series. So, yeah. I kind of don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I see where you're coming from because they are essentially the richest organization in hockey and they have more resources than pretty much any other team. So you would think that they would do their due diligence on this stuff. 
But then you look at a move like the Ryan Reeves signing. That was a red flag immediately. Like this guy has not worked out pretty much like every stop that he's been at. Like you are signing a 37-year-old enforcer basically for the vibes. Basically to hope that he is going to rub off on your best players. But guess what? When your enforcer is playing six minutes a night and can't play hockey, I don't care how good he is in the room. I don't care how good he is at organizing team dinners and team outings and how great he is for the culture. And I don't care what his taste in music is and him becoming the team DJ and like upping the energy of the team on a daily basis. Like none of that shit matters. If this guy is playing six minutes a night, can't play in his limited minutes because at the end of the day, the identity and the culture of your team is set by your best players. So I think that was a huge swing in the, and a miss by Tre Living. And I know we weren't like totally against the Ryan Reeves signing. I remember when it first happened, like you said, you know, I'm not, I'm not high on this. I'm not low on this. Like I, I, you were just like, you know, either way, we shouldn't get too hyped up or too low about this signing. It is what it is. But now it just looks like a disaster. And then, like, you know, the news coming out where Reeves was saying how before he was activated off IR, like, he was totally healthy, ready to play. The Leafs just kind of refused to activate him because they're like, you suck. We don't want to play you. You make us worse. Like, when he was on the ice at five on five, the Leafs were like, what, minus 11 or something crazy like that? So that's been a complete disaster. So, again, it's just the Ryan Reeves deal is basically, like, a perfect – uh, it paints a perfect picture of Brad Treliving's offseason. It was just a disaster across the board. With the Reeves thing and him saying, oh, you know, they kept me on uh, on IR and I was ready to go. But what I find kind of hilarious is that he went on in that conversation to say that he can't play without knee braces and his kneecaps fall out if he doesn't wear them. It's like, well, then you shouldn't be playing in the National Hockey League. <laughs> Why did we sign that? Exactly. Reeves? Three years. Way to go. And here I was talking about this amazing intel we have and how we go every go through everything like a, a fine-tooth comb. Crazy. Yeah, that's that's pathetic, man. If the Leafs, like, I mean, take his age out of the equation. If they knew about, like, all these knee issues and just his injury issues in general, why the hell are you giving this guy a three-year deal? Because Lepore, clearly, no other team in the league was offering this guy a three-year deal. I think there was a lot of one-year deals. There there must have been maybe one or two two two-year deals, and then Brad probably came in the room, and he's like, you know what? We need this guy. Our culture stinks. We have no intensity. We need need someone to rub off on, on this core four. Three-year deal for Ryan Reeves, 37 years old, can't play hockey. And, uh, I mean, he made his own bed, Brad, for living here. Like, this, so is, this is terrible. So confusing. And it's funny. Like, I just finished saying that, okay, there's the clean slate this offseason because that's what the books tell us. If this happens again, I can't believe I'm saying this, but is it possible that this guy could be gone in two years? Like, he's going to get another kick at the can, but... If he goes over two, no, like I'll I'll want Brad out. It's he he's on a hot seat going into next season if this season finishes the way we think it is. Well, we know what moves he has left. He has the the key firing in his back pocket that he could use at any time to buy himself some more time. So that would probably come first. But yeah, I mean, he has a huge huge opportunity on his hands here in the off season because. A lot of those were obviously one-year contracts, as we discussed. So there are things that he could do to rectify the situation, but it could also go south in a hurry. Mm. Like if he starts signing middling players and handing out deals like the David Camp deal, I mean, this could get real, real bad real quick. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like like Brendan Shannon, I, I still think we aren't, giving enough credit to Shanahan just in terms of like how much he kind of like controls the operation. And we talked about this like three episodes ago, how MLSE has played such a big role just from the business side of things, wanting to re-sign Matthews, Nylander and Marner and having these star players under contract for business reasons. So maybe, you know, Shanahan likes having Bradshaw living because like he still gets to kind of run the show Tra Living is obviously the general manager and he's making decisions, but 
I don't know, maybe Shanahan doesn't want to shake things up unless, of course, it just gets like really bad and he has a repeat of what he just did this past offseason. You got to say, well, now Shanahan, the board's got to look at Shanahan. Yeah, because he's been kind of sitting pretty during this whole thing. And I think he Mm. does deserve more heat, honestly, for how this has all gone. Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, that that could be coming down the road as well because there was so much hype when like Tim Laiwiki brought in Brendan Shanahan. Like he brought in Shanahan for the Leafs, Masai Ujiri for the Raptors. There was so much optimism and excitement around these teams. And the Leafs were got off to such a great start. They haven't missed the playoffs in the Matthews Marner Nylander era. But now I think the fingers are going to start getting pointed at Shanahan, especially if this continues, Lapore. Like there's a chance that they could figure this out kind of retool things in the offseason. Who knows? They might even make some splashes at the trade deadline. But uh, Shanahan could be on the hot seat sooner rather than later. What is more likely? The Leafs miss the playoffs or Keefe is fired before the end of the season? Wow. I- I'm going to say... Uh, well, I guess they're kind of the same because they're probably yeah. going to miss the playoffs if he <laughs> if he loses his job. But I'm going to say Keefe getting fired is probably more likely... I just think um, because again, like that's that's the bullet that that Tre Living has to use. He could just be like, "Well, you know what? If things are like really trending in the wrong direction, then I'm just gonna fire Keith and buy myself some time here." Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're tied together, right? Like if if the Leafs are gonna fire Keith, they're probably gonna miss the playoffs. I, I would like to think that none of those things will happen this year, but I mean, it's possible. It's tough for Keith, even if Bruno, even if they go in the first round. That's yeah. tough. If they that's lose tough. in the first round to, I don't know, if they lose to any of these teams, Florida, yeah, Tampa, we got to move on. He's probably gone, right? Especially yeah. if like the star players kind of, I don't know, like is it Keith's fault if Matthews, Martyr, Nylander don't show up in the first round? Yeah, but I think we're past that. I think you get to a point in your life as a coach. And when I say that, I'm referring to your life with a certain team where you've been there long enough that when there's a failure, you don't really need an explanation. It's just time to move on. And and I think if this season was to end that way for the Leafs, I like Keefe and I think he's a good coach. And I don't necessarily think a different coach would get a better result, but I would just kind of say, yeah, he's been here long enough now. It's, It's time for us to try something else. Yeah, it gets to that point where the coach has like run his course and you just need a new voice. You need you need to shake things up a little bit. It's the easiest thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And you know me, I've been like a big Sheldon Key fan from day one. Now, there have been some things recently that have kind of frustrated me. The way he's deployed the lineup at times, the constant tinkering. Um, It just seems that this team hasn't really... You know, they they keep trying to play the same way. And I don't know, there, there's there's a lot of things that have frustrated me recently. But when you look at the bigger picture, like his winning percentage and all that stuff, it's pretty good, except for the playoffs. But I do agree with you. I think it gets to a point where it's like, okay, we've seen enough of this. It's time to move on to another coach. Um, You know, kind of like the Edmonton Oilers, Lepore, yeah, who moved on from Jay Woodcroft and now... They're one of the best teams in the NHL. 14-game winning streak. Pretty good. This is one of the greatest in-season turnarounds I think we've ever seen. Oh, for sure. Well, St. Louis a few years ago. But yeah, this is got this is getting there. Like everyone points to St. Louis where they were like dead last. And I don't know how many games into the season it was. And, you know, there was like the big thing there was they got Bennington, right? Like they called up Bennington from the AHL. Then he had like a 927 save percentage the rest of the season. The same thing is kind of happening with the Oilers, except they didn't get a new goalie. Like Stuart Skinner just went from being terrible to now having like a 925 save percentage over the last like 30 plus games. Because when you looked at the underlying numbers at the start of the season, even though the Oilers were two, nine and one, they were like outplaying opponents. The underlying numbers were pretty good. They just couldn't get a save. Now they were having like defensive breakdowns and like their body language and just the the mood around the team was like complete dog shit. But man, oh man, the turnaround this team has made. And we talked about it on the last show. Like we, we are both in agreement that they are Canada's best chance of winning the Stanley cup. And if you look at any major sports book right now, 
you'll see that the Edmonton Oilers have the shortest odds to win it all. Like they are literally the betting favorite right now to win the Stanley Cup. But saying all that, Lapore, like what are your thoughts on this 14 game winning streak? Because they've had kind of a soft schedule. Yeah. Haven't played the greatest teams during this streak, but hey, they've gone 14 0 0. So credit where credit is due. But what are your thoughts right now on this insane run by the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, I saw that discussion um, regarding the strength of the teams they've played. I would think that argument could maybe hold up if, say, they went 9-2-3 and three in those 14 games. And it was like, oh, they're going 9-2-3. and three. Yeah, but look who they're playing. No, to go 14-0, and 0, to not have a single hiccup, a single night where, you know, you don't take an opponent seriously or you run into a hot goalie or bad luck, it's unreal. And like you said, this this is the one of the craziest things we've ever seen. And at what point is it going to stop? And you think of it, if they get to 20 games, that's 25% of the season straight that you've won. We haven't seen it. I think they, the last one was the, uh, the last similar run was the Hamburglar run for the Senators when they went like 22 and three in their last 25 games to get into the playoffs. And like the Oilers are, the Oilers are even better than that because they haven't lost at all. I don't know, man. Like you mentioned the Skinner thing. And is it a case kind of, and I, I don't want to jinx it, comparing it to Sammy, Sammy's last two games where you said it, Skinner was atrocious, bad, bad. Everything was going in. And with the way he was playing and their other goalies for that matter, they, they couldn't, they couldn't win. It's impossible, right? Is it simply he wasn't that bad? Meaning that it was just a really, really bad stretch. And when I say not that bad, matching his save percentage. Because I'm sure I assume he was, he was, wasn't he like in the mid 800s? Yeah, and it's like he well, had an 860 something save percentage. Like it was terrible. Although right. his goal, his goals saved above expected were egregious. Okay. I think it was like worst in the NHL. So okay. again, I wasn't watching like, when I was watching Oilers games, I wasn't necessarily like watching him specifically, and I'm not a goalie expert. I couldn't tell you like, you know, if he was like poor positionally and like just foundationally, if there was just like something wrong with his play. But holy shit, to go from like an 860 save percentage to having like a 925 over the last 30 plus games, that's been the difference. Like, I don't think exactly. Chris Knobloch has come in and like completely changed their defensive structure. I think they're just getting a, a lot more saves. I think, I know it's very simple to say that, but I think that's basically what's happening here. Yeah. And there's no, there's no rules with that stuff. As much as people like to look at small sample sizes of things, if a goalie is a 900 goalie, it doesn't mean he goes 900 every single month for the entire season. He'll go 950. He'll go 850. He'll go 875, 925, 900. And then at the end of the year, yeah, he's a 900 goalie. And that may have just been the case with Skinner, that he wasn't that as bad as that save percentage was saying. And now he's not as good as this save percentage is saying, but he's in the middle. And it just looks drastic because it happened all in one shot. And like I said, the Sammy's last two games, what, one goal in two games? 60-something shots, I think they said. I mean, you're putting up numbers like that. It doesn't take long to turn your save percentage around. So maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but... The dad is there. It's just now he's stopping pucks and nothing changed in Skinner's DNA over the last couple of weeks that all of a sudden he became Patrick Waugh meets Marty Brodeur. So I don't know. But the, the thing is, at, at, the, at this point, and again, with the winning streak, they're confident. And I'm sure he's confident. So now you start playing above yourself, right? I'm not expecting them to slow down. I'm not saying they're going to win like 30 in a row, but I think we're going to be, we're going to continue to talk about this, uh, this Oilers unbeaten run. Well, when you look at their upcoming schedule, they can rip off a few more wins here because they got Chicago tonight. Like, we're recording this podcast right now on Thursday night. What's the money line on that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I got to go check. I'll give, me, check. give me one second to, ch to check this out here. No, keep going. I'll check who their schedule is. I'm looking at I'm looking at the uh, the minus odds right minus 630. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's I'm looking at Pinnacle. They're minus 588. But yeah, minus six thirty. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think I've ever seen that more than like you. That's got to be one of the heaviest favorites 
of the entire season. And what's crazy is that usually the puck line in hockey is one and a half goals. So, you know, whether you're taking the favorite to win by two goals or you're taking the underdog um, to cover the spread, I'm looking at Pinnacle right now. The Oilers are minus two and a half on the puck line. Like, this is extremely rare in, in NHL betting to see a team minus two and a half on the puck line. But the Blackhawks are terrible, and the Oilers right now look like the best team in hockey. Yeah, and so, Chicago's got injuries, even. Like, they have no yeah. lineup. Well, th- someone was pointing out that they have injuries, but nobody on LTIR because they have to stay at the floor. <laughs> yeah. They're that bad. Right? Yeah, the, the Blackhawks are in a rough spot. But what's been so impressive to me during this Oilers run is that Connor McDavid is not going like supernova. Like, when you look at the NHL scoring leaderboard right now, Nathan McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov have been ridiculous. They're both leading the way. They both have over 30 goals, over 80 points. Like, McKinnon, 82 points at 48 games. Kucherov, very quietly, has 80 points in 47 games. But Connor McDavid, 17 goals and 60 points in 41 games. I know he had an injury and he he missed a you know a, a chunk of time. Like he's played 41 games compared to the rest of these guys who have played like 47, 48. But to only see McDavid at 60 points, sitting ninth in the NHL in scoring, and then Leon Dreisaitl, 51 points in 43 games. So in the past, like we've seen Dreisaitl and McDavid, like one, two in scoring, going right. on a tear every single night. But right now, like not that they're not playing well, they're obviously playing well, but they're not, you know, in God mode, like we've seen them in the past. So that's well, they don't have, they don't have to be, they don't have to be Zach Hyman is. Yeah, exactly. Zach Hyman on pace to score over 50 goals. Guy in Toronto had stone hands and now he's like one of the best players in hockey this season. Yeah. It became Mike Bossy. Unbelievable. But yeah, that's been one of the most impressive things to me is that those guys haven't had to go crazy. Like, defensively their numbers over this streak like they're i believe second in the league behind winnipeg and in goals against during this crazy not even just the 14 game winning streak like the oilers are 25 and 6 over their last 31 games they're top two in goals per game top two in goals against the power play has been good like you just go across the board they've just been an absolute wagon over the last 31 games but saying that lapore who would you take right now to bum, win bum, bum. the Western Conference? Because we can look at the odds for that as well. First, I'll let you give your take. If you had to pick one team right now, like would you take the Oilers or would you take the field at this point to to win the West and get to the uh, the Cup Final? I get the field. I'm not going to go that far, Bruno. No, no. But okay, we don't have to do Oilers versus the field. But I take wh- the field. Which team would you pick out right now? <laughs> I I pick Colorado. I watched their game last night against Washington. There, that's that's a really good team, man. Kale McCarr, okay? The goal he scored, he got the puck in the neutral zone, threws through, made a move when he got over the blue line, and just wired a shot to score. He just got that puck and said to everyone, get the fuck out of the way. I'm better than all of you. He just, it was so easy what he did. And then McKinnon, obviously, with four goals, just like absolutely insane. I just think Colorado's got a lot of mojo, a lot of mojo. They look really, really good. And I'll bet on the team that's won before. So even if, say, Edmonton played Vegas in the playoffs, even at that point, I'd still say, you know what? It's 50-50 because I I know Vegas can do it. Edmonton's got to show me. So as fantastic as Edmonton's been, I'm not going to pick them to even win the West. And that's not me saying I wouldn't be surprised if they did because I think they're a fantastic team and they look unbelievable. But if I'm going to put a wager on it, I'm going to bet on who I've seen do it before. No, I'm right there with you. Not to make this a boring segment, but Colorado was my team as well. I know we didn't, we talked about this segment before we came onto the show today, but we didn't tell each other who we would pick to win the Western Conference. I'm picking Colorado as well for a lot of the same reasons. They've obviously done it. They've made deep playoff runs. They've won a cup. They've dummied this Oilers team in the playoffs. And I know that was a different version of the Oilers. 
But, um, you know, I, I think back to even the comments that Sheldon Keith made after the Avalanche came back to beat the Leafs when the Leafs were leading Colorado 3 nothing after the first period. He said, when McKinnon's line is on the ice <laughs> with Devon Taves and Kale McCarr, it's like you're it's like you're playing a different sport. It's higher than the NHL. Now, you could say, well, Colorado is lacking depth, and that's true. They don't have as much depth as they had in previous seasons, especially when you look at their cup run. But, man, the high-end talent on that roster with the experience, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to bet against the Avalanche, but when you look at the odds right now, the Oilers on pinnacle plus 350 are the favorites to win the West Colorado right behind them at plus 394. So very close right now. And then if you had to guess, who do you think is next on the betting board in the West, in the West Vegas close. They're fourth, not Dallas. Dallas is fifth. Who am I forgetting then? Oh, Vancouver. They're sixth. Winnipeg? Winnipeg. Winnipeg right now, third. Sorry, Jets fans. Sorry. Yeah, I know. No one believes in the Jets. You know what? I'll just say it. I forgot how good the Jets are. (laughs) When I was just thinking of the teams in the West, I forgot how good the Jets are. Props to the Jets. No, I'm okay with that. And I think I'm pretty confident that with Connor Hellebuck in net, the Jets are probably going to beat the Leafs in Winnipeg before the All-Star break. Yeah, why not? And it'll be a shutout to end the streak so everyone can talk about it and how they almost (laughs) did it the other night that streak is crazy outrageous if you, if you look they posted it a couple weeks back when they were at 180 the they're they're at 180 the bruins are second and they're at like 60 and then every other team's you know like 30 25 the leafs are gonna go if the leafs go the rest of this season they're gonna be over they're gonna be what three full seasons almost Without uh, without being shut out, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a pretty insane stretch. But if there's any team that's going to shut out the Leafs, it's probably going to be the Jets, and not just because you know the last game ended one nothing. Um, mostly because they have Connor Hellebuck, and they're the best defensive team in hockey. Yeah, so they, it's going to be probably going to be a low scoring game that final game heading into the uh, the All Star break. But I think the Jets deserve respect just for how good they are defensively under Rick Bonus and with the best goalie in the world right now. But again, I'm not taking the Jets to beat Colorado in a seven game series. I'm not taking them to beat Edmonton, and that's the way that I look at it. Like, which team would I pick in a seven game series? And right now, I'd pick Colorado against any team in the yeah. West in a seven game series. It, it just comes down to that. Whereas earlier in the podcast, we were talking about teams that the Leafs could beat in a seven game series. Yeah, we're doing the Conference. opposite <laughs> and Holy shit. Um, yeah, it's not great. It is not great. Wah, but, wah, wah. Uh, is there, is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? Uh, just looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the all-star game this year. I don't say that very often, but little different the draft the quote-unquote celebrities there's money to be won in the skills competition we went over that a few weeks ago so i'm not gonna sit here and say i'll be absolutely glued to the television set but i'll have it on and i'll watch more than i have in the past yeah i'm really looking forward to the skills competition 12 of the best players in the world going for a million dollars i'm gonna throw out a take we'll see how how this goes I'm going to say that William Nylander wins the skills competition or at least gets very close to winning the skills competition. I know everyone's saying like McDavid and McKinnon and even Matthews, like those are the easy answers, but Willie Styles, man, he's got some insane skills. When you think about his ability to shoot, to skate, stick handle, like there's some uh, competitions that are right in his wheelhouse. So I'm going to say he shocks the world and wins the skills competition. I might go Jack Hughes. Ooh, I like that too. I like yeah, that. I might go Jack Hughes. You can do like everything. He's one of those guys, right? So yeah, he's, he's smooth, man. He could, he can do it all as well. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, especially because they're all going for a million dollars. So I think the players are actually going to try this year, which will be nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it should be an awesome time in Toronto. I am not attending anything. Um, so I will not be boots on the ground at Scotiabank Arena. 
Oh, you're not willing to sell your house for a ticket to the uh, <laughs> yeah, 2024 exactly. All-Star? I'm not are, taking are, on I, a mortgage to go see the skills competition or the All-Star game. Have you seen prices anywhere? Because my nephew's like, oh, Zio, can we go to the All-Star game? I don't even have to look. I'm like, buddy, it's in Toronto. I, I haven't even know. bothered looking at prices because they're they're probably outrageous. Yeah, see, when it was in Ottawa way back, I remember at the start, tickets were crazy, but demand kind of went down as you got closer to the game. Because I think people kind of realize, even like the skills competition, if you're sitting in the third bowl watching the skills competition, yeah, it's in your city go, but like I wouldn't pay a lot to see that. And even as far as the game goes, if you're sitting close, that's amazing to see all the players. But if you're sitting in, you know, up up in the second bowl, third bowl, nosebleeds, meh. And again, I'm not saying I wouldn't go. I'm saying I wouldn't pay a lot to yeah, to watch it- to watch a shinny game, <laughs> to watch a shinny game with a bunch of NHL players. Yeah, if there's one event I want to be at this weekend, it's n- no doubt about it. It's the skills competition. Yeah, twelve guys going for a million bucks—a format that we've never seen before. Where, like I said, where you you would think that these guys are going to try hard to actually win. Mm. That's that's the event you want to watch yeah. on All Star Weekend. But that is going to do it for episode one thirty one of the Gluns for Punishment podcast or GFP. A Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. If you're a new listener or a longtime listener and you really enjoyed this episode, it would do wonders for us if you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really enjoyed today's content, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below with who you think is going to win the skills competition. And uh, while you're at it, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Go Leafs, go, I guess. Um, Until the next one, enjoy All-Star Weekend. Enjoy the Leafs' final game before the break, and we will chat very, very soon. Thanks, everyone.